Hey guys, welcome back to the workbench. Today we're going to talk about what I think has been the single most requested topic so far. We're going to talk about moss ceiling fans. I have here on the workbench a moss tropical breeze. Uh, the label says TF series, which stands for tropical fan, and it has a view fan part number N101C. Moss was one of the earliest mass importers of ceiling fans into the U.S. They were, I believe, the first company to be a house brand uh, for chain stores like Home Depot and Builders Square and even Kmart. Um, they were at one time the largest ceiling fan manufacturer in the world, and there's a lot of colorful stories about their history. So, I've got a lot of notes on my computer. My laptop's down here just off screen. Uh, and that's because I have spoken to somebody from Moss. Uh, Adam from VintageSealingFans.com has spoken to somebody from Moss and uh, generously shared that information. And then I've also spoken to people who worked with Moss and worked for some of their competitors. So I have a lot of notes down here. The video, the video is going to be kind of fractured as I try to read through the notes and pick out what's you know relevant and what's not relevant. So we're going to start with a timeline. This is something that uh, came from... CFO of Moss. Uh, the company was founded in 1977. Uh, David Moss had already started to import ceiling fans by that point, but they actually incorporated the company in 77. The original founders were David Moss and Monroe Zalkin. Uh, they were looking for a way to market fans as the house brand to a lumberyard called Lindsay Lumber. They started uh, in Monroe Zalkin, who he owned a screen door company. They started in one of his uh, factories. And uh, David Moss at the time was a Casablanca sales rep, which makes things real interesting. So by 78, they were big enough to have their own space, and they had made a deal with Home Depot, which at the time was a small company, to be their house brand for ceiling fans. And in Home Depot's first year in business, half of their promotions for all products were for Moss ceiling fans. Moss had $20 million in sales in 1978. Uh, the next thing on the timeline here is 1980, the Carib Fan Company sued Moss because of the Caribbean Breeze trademark. I'm not sure, and I'm going to look into this, if, whether Carib was a factory, an importer, a wholesaler, or an American company. I haven't been able to find very much about that, um, but in any case, they did have a trademark battle with Moss, and so that's when Moss started phasing out the Caribbean Breeze name and started phasing in the Tropical Breeze name. By 1982, Moss was the world's largest ceiling fan company, not just in the U.S., not just in imports, but literally fans sold everywhere. They sold more fans than any other company anywhere in the world, which at the time was $120 million in sales. They also started diversifying products into Moss locks, Moss hardware, and Moss furniture. In 1984, uh, the CFO, Robert Lieberman, bought out David Moss and became the owner of Moss Manufacturing. David Moss went on to form Catalina Lighting, which also sold fans and light fixtures and was a very popular lighting company um, for the rest of their duration. And I can't remember who bought them out. That might be in the notes later. Um, also, then they started diversifying into shower heads. There were actually Moss shower heads. In 1985... Moss and one of their Hong Kong factories opened a factory in China. This was significant because at the time, most of the ceiling fan factories were not in mainland China. They were either in Hong Kong or Taiwan. They used this factory to replace Aircool as their supplier. Aircool had been their supplier um, for a 
good chunk of the 80s and possibly the 70s. It doesn't exactly say, but it'd be one of their primary factories that they were dealing with. So as a result of this, Home Depot went straight to Aircool and said, we'll buy your fans and we'll put our Hampton Bay name on them and we'll just cut out Moss as the middleman. But they were still using the Moss designs. So then Moss sued Home Depot and they settled. And then Home Depot did the same thing in 86. They sued, they settled, and so on and so forth until 1990 when Moss finally sold all of their trademarks and marketing rights to King of Fans, which is who Home Depot was using to import those fans directly from Aircool and other factories. King of Fans, by the way, is not an OEM. They are an importer. They're based out of Fort Lauderdale. I don't know this for a fact, but I believe they might have been founded by Home Depot in order to import fans without having to go through Moss. So, um, what else we got? So, after Catalina Lighting, David Moss went on to form an office supply company, uh, a security products company called Remington, and he passed away in 2005. After leaving Moss, Monroe Zalkin formed a pet supply company, and uh, after finally selling Moss, Robert Lieberman formed a glass supply company. So, according to the information I have here, they started using the Caribbean Breeze name in 1978. They started using the Tropical Breeze name in 1978. They started using the Olympus and Heirloom name in 1980, and then they started using the Highline name in 1982. And some of that may or may not be correct. That's the information I have here. Let's go to my second page of notes, um, which is also from people from Moss. So again, take this information with what you will. So Catalina Lighting, this is, again, this may be out of order. It's just in that order they gave it to me. Catalina Lighting bought out Windmere in 1989. Catalina, which, as we know, was David Moss's second fan company, also bought out Christina Fans in 1989. Uh, as for some other lumberyards and home centers that were that had uh, Moss as their house brand. Uh, Handy Andy was one. It was started by Ronald Rashkow. Uh, Ronald was a racquetball partner of David Moss, and they would make bets on their racquetball games as to advertising for the fans. And David Moss was a terrible racquetball player, so he would lose a lot, and Moss would end up eating a lot of the advertising cost, which was very upsetting for the other people at Moss. They would hate these racquetball games, but David Moss every time would think he could apparently win and win some money and then wouldn't. Um, Handy Andy was bought out by Scotty's Lumber. Um, there was another one here mentioned called Forest City that I've never heard of. Schottensteins, which I've never heard of. Handy Dan, which I've never heard of. Um, Menards, if you know, used um, Moss as one of their early suppliers. There's lots of uh, Caribbean breezes with the Menards label on them. Um, Kmart used Moss as one of their early suppliers. So, uh, the creative force behind Moss, as we know, was David Moss. Monroe Zalkin was the finance partner. Gary Gaskell was their chief engineer who formerly worked for Underwriters Laboratories. Robert Lieberman was the CFO. Um, let's see. One of three fans sold in the U.S. from 1979 to 1988 was either Moss or a Moss trademark. So, remember I mentioned David Moss was a Casablanca sales rep. He had been one before founding the Moss Manufacturing Company, 
But then he stayed at Casablanca for another three years so that he could kind of, you know, see what was going on and use it for his own company. Burton Burton finally got wise to him in 1980 and fired him, which, as you can see, was around the time that the Heirloom and the Olympus, which are pretty direct Casablanca copies, came out. So you can kind of see what happened there. He was using their sales information, he was using their data, and he was using their designs. And uh, Burton Burton got wise to it. But he stayed there for a whole three years while owning his own company. He was still a Casablanca sales rep. I think you guys have probably heard this story before, but I love it. In his living room, David Moss had 12 Moss Olympus fans in a circle, each at a different downrod height going from the highest to the lowest. So like a staggered design. I would absolutely love to do that um, with something like maybe Terra's or, you know, just some other cool fan. I wish I had the space to do that. That is one of the coolest things. I, I wish there was a picture of it, you know. Um, so what else do we have here? Let's go through the notes. The original German helmet Caribbean Breeze. That's what they called the shape of the motor for the, uh, the ones that we most commonly know as Caribbean Breezes. Um, they were originally made by Shi Chen. And uh, Shi Chen's brother was S.W. Chen, who opened the air cool factory. And so they went from using one brother to another. And um, what would happen in a lot of these days is you would have an exclusive contract with a factory. And then somebody else in the same family as that factory would then go and open a different factory and they would use the same designs, but your contract wouldn't be with them. So it was kind of a way to get around some of the copyright and trademark and, and, and some of the handshake deals even. That's how you ended up with Union and Evergo. That's how you ended up with Tat and Wing Tat and so on and so forth. But um, Shi Chen and Aircool are actually brother companies and they both made Caribbean breezes. Um, so what else do we got here? Um, Okay, so Moss had an office in the World Trade Center in Hong Kong called Bayshore 2000. They had an office in Taiwan. Um, Bayshore 2000 went on into the lighting business, and when Moss split up, David took that lighting line and opened Catalina Lighting, which went public and made him way more money than Moss ever did, which is pretty amazing. Um... Moss apparently thought that the quality was best in Taiwan as opposed to Hong Kong and China. Personally, I've found, uh, well, I guess maybe that is true because I'm thinking about gold lines and I love the Union gold lines, but when they switched production to Taiwan, that did seem to improve the quality a little bit. So maybe, maybe there's some um, truth to that. Um, so in 1985, the CFO of Moss teamed up with Michael Chen, who was an original partner in ViewFan, and they opened the first USA-involved factory in Shenzhou, China. And I wonder what that factory name is, and I might have to do some Googling about that. I wonder if that was why, because again, we had ViewFan, NewFan, and GoldenFan. I wonder if it was one of those same things where it was different members of the family giving it different names. Uh, and I wonder if maybe ViewFan was the factory in China. Maybe GoldFan was the uh, Hong Kong or Taiwan. Does this say where this is made? This is Hong Kong. So that's going to be something to research. I'm just going for, for now. I'm just going for the notes here. Um, what do we got here? Michael's company was closing, so we moved all the equipment there. I wonder which company that was that was closing. It doesn't say. Okay, so 
This is something I know we've talked about before, and I'll talk about it in more detail later. Um, but I'm, just, I'm quoting somebody from Moss here. David's biggest fault was that he would develop a factory, and if their price wasn't good enough, he would abandon them, not pay them, and then move on to a different factory. But then the factory that he developed would have his designs, and they would go on and sell those to somebody else, which is how... Um, like you'd end up with codeps with Moss designs and things like that, because that factory would sell them to a different American importer and they'd keep all the same designs and trademarks and everything. That's how you have a codep WF series. So, and David Moss was trying to play hardball. Like if you don't come down to my price, you know, then I'll, I'll then, then he would just leave and not pay. And they'd have manufactured all these fans for him and he would uh, have abandoned the deal. But then again, that's how his designs got copied, which later, screwed the company because then Home Depot was able to do the same thing with Aircool. So, um, yeah, the way that he put it here is if the price was not lower, he would abandon them. He would, for, he would, he forgot that we were also creating capacity and if they didn't fold, they would sell the exact fans to their competitors. So there was apparently a combination, not a combination. Apparently there was a connection between Tyab, CEC and Moss, according to these notes, but, it's not clear, and I'm going to kind of leave that alone because it doesn't really say what the deal is. Uh, I would like to find out more. There's, it doesn't really say that Tyab is an importer or not. That's something I would like to know. Um, the noisy Tyab moves a lot of air, 14-degree blade pitch with a 32-millimeter stator. Little-known fact it is in the Moss pages that Home Depot had Aircool make them fans under the Hampton Bay name. They copied our boxes. They used our registered trademarks. They are 100% for, for Moss finally folding and selling off the company as they destroyed the value of our product by, by committing trademark infringement to make their product the same as ours in the eyes of the customers. They settled out of court twice, but the damage was done. Which is ironic, because again, David Moss did the same thing. So it's kind of a you reap what you sow except that David Moss sold the company by the time that happened, so it was his partners that reaped what David Moss sowed. Um, Robert Lieberman, the CFO of uh, Moss, also owned a chain of 21 stores that sold fans, vacuum, and housewares under the name Ceiling Fans USA, Reps Fans, and Discount Charlies. They were closed in 1992. The earliest Moss Caribbean Breeze, the one that was made in Singapore, was made by GEC, General Electric Company of Singapore, and they were an exclusive item for the Lindsay Lumber Company of Miami, Florida. It was considered to be a prototype. CEC was one of the factories that Moss used. It says here, that ugly fan was a prototype we made for Home Depot and discarded. I don't know what ugly fan they're talking about. CEC went into production on it under their own label. We were trying to bring a fan for under $29 to Home Depot, and in those days, that was unheard of. There was still duty on fans by then. Home Depot thought it was too ugly to sell. You know what? I think they're talking about the CEC Georgian. I think this was mid-80s by that time. Um, the Hunter Summer Breeze. Moss considered that to be a direct knockoff of the Moss Heirloom. It was uh, Hunter's answer to try to knock Moss out of the top unit sold category. Again, ironic, because the Moss Heirloom is a much more direct copy of the Casablanca Zephyr. And if I'm not mistaken, no, I think SMC was the first company to... Well, that's... Okay, now here's something I want to think about. We'll, we'll talk about this in a later video. 
who was the first import company to copy a Zephyr? You know, a lot of companies copied it domestically. Uh, Terra might have been, Southern Fan Company might have been the first to cop, copy it domestically. But who was the first company to copy it? I'm betting it was Moss with the heirloom, because that was right around 1980, and the SMC A52 was 80 or 81. I'm not sure now. This is something we should we should talk about. Uh, but I, I'm going to, for the sake of this video, I'm going to say it was Moss. So... Does anyone remember the famous poster from Fasco talking about buying from the U.S. or the Dragon? I can honestly say I've never seen that poster. Kind of sounds a little racist in modern terms. It was probably acceptable back then. They listed 10 import fans that Fasco sold more unit then. But of those 10 import fans, seven were Moss products. So then Moss would run full page ads saying, Thank you, Fasco, for acknowledging that our fan brands outsell you six to one. I would love to see either of those ads. I've never seen either one. That's hilarious. If anybody has the capacity to search for that, please let me know and link me in the comments. Uh, Robert Lieberman, the CFO, joined Moss after their first year. At the time, they were selling about 250,000 in fans. And then with his first year, they hit 18 million. The second year was 40 million. Um, CEC made our first heirlooms. They had the Riestad on the bottom housing and hummed like banshees, but they sold very well. Um, that's what he's saying is connected to Tyab, and I'm, I'd like to know more about that. So we'll get into that in the future. I'm going to do a whole video on Asian factories, but in some cases I have more questions than answers. The reason why those fans said HF was because Moss would get all UL approvals under the Moss name because the Chinese factories at the time didn't care about UL. So HF stood for Heirloom Fan, and then anytime any of those factories wanted to sell those fans to any other company, they had to pay Moss to use the UL number. So then you would find fan. That's why the Codep WF series still says WF series, because they had to pay Moss to use their UL number, HF series, and so on and so forth. Um, many of those early days were under license from Moss, as we had the factories, we being Moss, sewed up in Hong Kong and Taiwan. There were no China factories yet. We got to see all their prototypes in advance as the factories were using our UL numbers. It took the factories many years to realize what was going on, and it made Moss a ton of enemies. David would make commitments to buy all these exclusive rights, and Moss would have no idea if they were actually going to sell that much. here anything else high lines also use the hf label we use the same motor just a different housing later we learned we had to change our blade pitch as the original high lines created a vapor lock and no real air movement okay so that's the first set of notes second set of notes is not from people from moss the second set of notes is from people who worked with them or competed with them and didn't like them as much so let's get on to that the old Caribbean breeze ceiling fans from David Moss. He was commonly referred to as the asshole of the industry. Everyone hated his guts. His quality was always terrible. I would disagree, but it was not up to the same level as some of the American companies. Um, he treated the Asian factories horrible and never paid them. We talked about that earlier. He would just stiff the factories. He'd order the fans from them, not pay the bill, move on to a different factory. That factory would then sell those fans to somebody else, and then that's how everybody else ended up 
copying everything. I, I personally, and this is just my personal theory, and I've dealt with China a little bit, ordering LED lights and glasses and everything else. I think that David Moss kind of set the tone for Chinese manufacturing when it comes to dealing with the U.S. because there was not a lot of Chinese manufacturing dealing with the U.S. before this time. And you'll notice that now it's very common for them to just take one design, sell it to a bunch of different names, steal it from other factories and things like that. And I think because David Moss did it, they just kind of figured, okay, well, that's how we're going to do business with the Americans because no one was doing that before him, you know? And he had really no integrity in dealing with them. So I think that kind of set the tone for manufacturing relations between China and the U.S. And I think that's kind of why, I th again, I think he's in largely responsible, at least for ceiling fans and similar products, for why you see so much copying and so much, you know, labeling and all that. I mean, it may have happened otherwise, I don't know. But I, I it was one of the earliest, if not the earliest examples of that. And I think he really can kind of take the credit or the blame for why that is. So, most of the factories that did business with Moss eventually went bankrupt. He even owned a ridiculously expensive $20 million yacht in Miami that he named Poverty Sucks. Moss's first big customers were Kmart and Home Depot. This person claims that Union was an early supplier of Moss. I've never seen any Moss fans made by Union, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. CEC was the second largest Hong Kong-based distributor. They supplied Satellite Moss, Walmart. David Moss always referred to CEC as the Caribbean Electric Company in order to deceive his customers into thinking that his Caribbean Breeze brand was the original manufacturer. When actuality, CEC stood for Chow Electric Co. that was owned by Mr. Chow. And um, so when you see CEC, and sometimes you might even see Caribbean Electric Company, it actually doesn't stand for Caribbean Electric Company. It's, um, it's Chow Electric Company. And uh, Carib is a different company. Again, I'm not sure if they're an OEM or not. Commander is a different company. I don't know if they're an OEM or not. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is that Commander and CEC are in different com companies. So you can usually tell by the company of origin, um, uh, which is which. If it says if it says CEC, you can tell uh, if it's Commander versus Chow, aka Caribbean, based on the country of origin. But we're going to do a whole video just on import factories. So hold that thought. Um, I think that. Well, no, I think I might have some more notes from Moss. Let's just make sure, and then I'll see if I, there's anything that I forgot. I think that's actually all the notes that I have from Moss. Um, so again, um, the stories that I've told before, and I think I covered them pretty well here, but just to kind of kind of summarize what we learned. Um, so David Moss started out to supply fans to lumberyards while working for Casablanca. He used Ca Casablanca's proprietary information to make and offer cheaper fans. And then he would go overseas and get them supplied. He would stiff the factory and move on to a different factory. The first factory would then sell his designs to other importers, which created the mess of different import fans under different names that now make it so hard to trace. Like, this is a Moss TF series, but was this actually sold in a Moss box? Was it sold in a, in a different box? I mean, you know, 
Um, and it, it's fascinating. It's a little disappointing. Um, and it helps explain a lot of the confusion that we have as ceiling fan collectors. Oh, there's definitely one note that I missed. Let me see if I can go back and find it. Um, so I don't know that this is, uh, I don't know that this is significant. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of notes that I missed. So, um, Moss did have a Hunter original copy that they sold. Um, it was made by Firebird. We'll talk about in the video specifically devoted to Asian manufacturers. Firebird was a fireplace company that started making fans, and then they became Fanbird. And I believe they're the same as Contrast. I believe that's the same company. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so Moss contracted with Firebird to make a Cast Iron Hunter original copy, but they had too many problems with them falling because they were using the same mounting as uh, you know regular Moss fans, and they would get mounted to junction boxes instead of J-hooks. And they were just too heavy. So uh, we talked about um, David Moss's 12 Olympus install. Um, so here's another interesting fact about the Olympus. It was originally designed as a private label for JCPenney. Uh, one of the things I don't think we mentioned up until now was that uh, Moss was the store brand for JCPenney as well. And um, if you go in the early 80s JCPenney catalogs, it's, you know, a few Emerson products and then it's all Moss products for a while. And um, so the Olympus was originally a JCPenney model, but then JCPenney would later also sell the actual Olympus, which was a Moss model, and they would sell them in the same catalog for different prices. Um, so the JCPenney branded one sold for $2.99. And the Moss Olympus, which was the exact same fan, but JCPenney called it a copy, sold for $249. They were just the same fan, a different box, sold by the same company. Um, I think that's all the information that I have. I'm going to skim these notes one last time just to make sure um, that, they, uh, that I'm not missing anything else. But I think that's it for the Moss video. Uh, we're going to talk about them a little more when we talk about some other import companies. This is going to be a really interesting city of, city of videos, series of videos, and I'm not doing another outtake. It's taken me a long time to get through this, so we're just going to pretend I didn't say that. We'll edit it and post it. Um, this has been a very interesting topic to cover, um, and uh, again, I've got lots more notes on other companies. There's so much we know. There's so much we still don't know. Um, and we're lucky enough to have some first-hand information direct from the source. Uh, I hope that this, so far, answered a lot of questions. And uh, we'll look forward to the next video. I think I'm going to do Encon specifically next, because that's the other import company that I have specific notes about. I've talked to people from Encon. Um, and then we'll do one catch-all video with all the information after that. So we're going to do that soon. Um, lastly... All of these notes are available on Dan Spiffy Newman Ceiling Fans on Facebook. Uh, if you go into my document section, I've posted them in the past. Um, I may or may not include them in the video description. There's just some information that's not supposed to be, like, public-public. And so I think the fact that you have to hunt for them a little is probably better. Um, but we'll see. I may put some of it in the description. So please continue with your questions, your suggestions. 
Um, we're going to do a, a great series with these workbench videos, and I hope you're enjoying them. Thanks for watching.